This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with Muck Delivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This week, Burnley wrap up an emphatic first win of the season at home to Bournemouth whilst the team look ahead to Burton and Cardiff. This is the Known and Never podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Known and Never podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bromley. And joining me this week in the studio is regular panellist and co-host, Robbie Kopak, who this week is going with Aaron Lengols. Good evening, Robbie. Good evening. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Yeah. <laughs> I was hoping you'd be a bit more enthusiastic, given that you know we're, we're on top of the world this week. Um, and as a special treat this week, we are going to be joined all episode by Statman Dave, our regular statistician, Dave Roberts, who, rather than just swanning in at the end to give us our head-to-head for the next show, is actually going to join us all episode this week. Dave, it's so lovely to have you for the full show this week. Thank you. What, what have I done to deserve a full debut? Well, you know, I, I just, I was just feeling generous. I'm, I'm feeling the love for the Clarets. I think everybody's so euphoric after a fantastic win that I just wanted to share the love. Listeners, we have got a great podcast this week because we can finally, finally talk about that elusive first win of the season. What a great victory. The Clarets sewing up their greatest winning margin in Premier League history for them anyway, obviously, with a 4-0 home win against Bournemouth, a result that I don't think any of us were actually expecting. Takes us off the foot of the table. It does a fantastic job for our goal difference. And I think more than anything, it's great to actually beat a team who are celebrating their best Premier League start to the season, which is obviously a bit of a contrast to, to ours, which was definitely the poorest start to Premier League season that we'd had. Now, we all know that Eddie Howe's sides can't defend. It's probably one of their Achilles heels in their football But I don't think any of us really saw that result coming. So let's have a look at it. Let's get to the nitty gritty. And we asked you this week, listeners, what you thought had happened to change the fortune and what you thought was different to get that win under the belt. So we've we've got loads of tweets from you that we're going to have a look at and we're going to dissect and debate. But Robbie, I'm going to come to you first. Now, we've been guilty, I think, recently of conceding and being, I guess, relatively vulnerable in the opening and dying stages of halves. But but this time it was us punishing a Bournemouth side by two very, very quick succession goals right at the end of the first half. Yeah, I don't really know where to go with it. But I thought we started the game quite poorly, to be honest. I thought the opening 15, 20 minutes, we had, it was a real slog for us. And I, I genuinely thought it was going to be another weekend of, oh, here we go again. But it's like we suddenly remembered how to play football. And we just started to grow into the game before the first goal. And then once Fidra did put the first one in, I was actually quite confident that we'd see the game out. And to get two just before half time, I think that was a huge difference for us to it gave us something to like really hang on to. Yeah, I mean, when you say, I think, I think actually quite a lot of people have had that very same opinion in that up until half time that there was still that hangover. I think what people are calling it wasn't it that there, there was still that fog there and there was still a side that was lacking in confidence. I think more than anything. So what what things in that first half until we scored? Do you think we were still particularly quite poor at rubber? We just looked nervous. I don't think we kept the ball very well. I thought we were a little bit too deep. There were an instance in the first half where I looked over towards the uh, technical area and Sean Dykes was like ordering the back four to like really push up. And it was since then really where I saw the tide turn just a little bit. 
Yeah, I think that that's fair enough. Dave, let's come to you. Now, it's been labelled a success hangover. And I think this is what Sean Dyche has been calling the fog that we've heard of in the, in the press recently, where... I guess it's new to this team, but it's that feeling that everything's going right and you ride on the crest of a wave and you've hit all this success and then suddenly expectation levels change and performance levels maybe change and these players were in in, in a territory that maybe they were quite unfamiliar with. Now, Dyche said this week that the European negativity was too much of an easy story and he has not been blaming the European run on the poor start of the season. But it's not coincidence, is it, that this... I guess, first winners come at the end of the very first week of training this, that this side have had all together and, and just a real chance to concentrate. Yeah, I think it's helped having the side uh, together, you know, not having the, it's not, not so much the, the games, it's not so much everything else, it's it's perhaps the travelling in between, the fact they don't get quite as much time on the practice pitch during the week. I think that's been a, a big thing this week that's uh, that's helped out and uh, it certainly showed on the pitch on Saturday. You think just that discipline had come back to the side and that, you know, that those concentration levels. Is it was it as simple as that? Um I think that's part of it. Yeah, I think the um they they just seemed to be um you know, come out of the blocks, they were able to, you know, there just seemed a bit more communication on the pitch as well, just more organized. It just seemed like a, a different side to the one that had played at Wolves. Yeah, it really did. Well, we wanted to find out listeners exactly what had changed this week and what your views were as to how these clarets managed to turn it around and there's quite a few themes that were emerging in social media, I guess, by way of an explanation. So let's start having a look through this and just see where we get to. And I think the very first and probably the most common explanation for the changing fortune was wingers, the use of wingers, and particularly Goodmanson and Lennon, who took the lion's share of, of the plaudits from Saturday. Now, first tweet of this season show comes from Liam Crane, who says, it's the first win of the season and what a way to do it. Everyone played well today, but I have to say Lennon was fantastic. And I take back that I wanted Hendrick to start ahead of him, sorry, to start ahead of him this afternoon. That's the Aaron Lennon we want all the time. So he obviously was very, very enthusiastic about Lennon's performance. And Johnny Bentley, he tweeted, Lennon was terrific. He's coming for criticism, but he didn't hide today. He took his goal really well and he created a lot for his teammates. Good Munson was also very good, a constant threat when cutting in on his left foot, a win for the wingers. So, Robbie, I think match of the day singled out uh, Good Munson as well as particular praise and said that he was, I guess, just about the, the main star of the show on Saturday. What a terrific performance from him. Yeah, yeah, like, like all the comments were saying, both wingers were exceptional. I thought Lennon in particular, second half, I thought he were a little bit frustrating first half. I thought he was the same old Aaron Lennon, but I think the goal gave him a massive boost. I think a lot of us have been saying that he just needs a goal. And I think that was quite evident that once he did get his goal, he was just buzzing. And I thought second half, he had Sam and Francis in his back pocket. He were absolutely sensational. Yeah, it really was. It was just... He had a swagger, didn't he, about his performance and he just had this air, this confidence of a man who was at the absolute height of his game and actually significantly enjoying his football. It, it felt to me that he had a real smile on his face when he was playing. He was enjoying the game, wasn't he? Yeah, he had that pace and, and he was using both feet. My biggest criticism of him is that he's too one-footed, that he's always wanting to cut in onto his right foot. But for the third goal, he actually crosses with his left, which shows that he can actually use it. So... Hopefully we'll see that on a more regular basis now. Yeah, I mean, it's it's quite interesting, actually, that I think on Match of the Day, the, the commentary, he it, it was pulled out. It was Danny Murphy. Was it Danny Murphy on Saturday night? I forget now. It feels like that long ago. And one of the things he said was, oh, um, Sean Dyche, I've seen him do this before where he puts a right-sided, a right-footed uh, winger on the left side and a left-footed winger on the right side. And we were all looking at the screen thinking, yeah, he's been doing that for quite some time. <laughs> this isn't a new thing. But it's not always been that successful, has it, Dave? I mean... We one of the things that we've been critical of Lennon is just his finishing, and he's been getting himself in into some really great positions, but maybe not having an end product. And I saw a quote today in the press that really summed this up when they said Lennon has been exasperated supporters with an inability to end a promising run with a telling pass or shot. So, and a lot of that has been down to Dasha's swapping around the sides of the wingers, but. I, there was just no sign of that today, was there? I mean, he 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 finished. 
Yeah, on Saturday, the confidence seemed to be back. I think that that's, I mean, the goal obviously helped. But even before that, I thought he was a lot more at it, not just going forward, but defensively as well. There were two or three times when he was out on the wing and he tracked back and closed players down and, uh, you know, gave away throws, but managed to stop an attack coming forward. So I thought his all-round game was really good on Saturday as well. Yeah, I did too. I mean, did one of the wingers edge it for you, Dave? Did you think that Goodmanson was slightly better or would you just give them both the, the top marks equally? Uh, my preference was for Lennon. Actually, after the game, I thought that uh, that that he he stood out. I mean, they were, they, they were both really good. It's difficult in a performance like that. I think when there's uh, you know good play going on all over the pitch. I mean, we've not even mentioned Ashley Westwood. I thought Ashley Westwood sort of ran the centre of the midfield as well, and, mm, and yeah, having that sort of structure in there perhaps help the wingers as well. So it's not just one person you can single out, really. Yeah, I think that that's probably a really valid point, actually, isn't it? That sometimes when there's a star of the show, you can maybe get carried away and get a bit hyperbole as, as to just how fantastic they were. And I don't want to take away any of the plaudits from Lennon because I did think he played absolutely terrific on Saturday. But we aren't used to having a team of superstars, are we? This Burnley side is well known for being a disciplined, drilled team and, and, you know, there's no standout stars. And I think it is a fair point to say that on Saturday, everybody pulled their weight. It was definitely a team performance. We have got some criticism, though, about our wingers or maybe the supporters' attitude to the wingers. We had a, a tweet coming from Dan Merton who says, must needed was an understatement, but can we please keep the Icelandic clapping in Iceland? Oh, damn. I'm assuming from certain sections of the crowd we had some of the World Cup. Well, it wasn't the World Cup, it was the Euros, wasn't it? The Icelandic clapping. Uh, Robbie, were you guilty of that? Were you doing the Icelandic clap? No, definitely not. And I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll take Dan's side on it. I think it's a bit, I don't like it. I think it's a bit tin pot, to be honest. <laughs> it is, but it's fun. And, you know, I think we can forgive those, the, the, the Burnley fans from getting a little bit carried away on Saturday and enjoying things. Just before we leave, actually, Robbie, who did, did either of the wingers edge it for you or did you, I think you came down the side of, of Lennon as well, didn't you? Yeah, I thought Lennon for, for spells stood out, but I think in terms of that duration of the game, I thought Goodmanson was better. But that second half, I thought Lennon just edged it. Good, good. So we've got a lot of praise there for our wingers, but there was another theme that came out on social media this week, and that was the influence of Sean Dyche. It's been reported in the press this week, in the local press and on Twitter, that Sean Dyche led an open forum this week to let players know just how proud he is of them for what they've achieved and how he continues to be proud of them. Now, both Lennon and Vidra in their post-match interviews talked about perhaps a, a crisis of self-esteem and, and that some of the players were struggling to, to play confidently and, and believe in their own ability this week. Alice tweeted us, Alice Grace, and said, you know, the difference from last week is we absolutely wanted that from the first minute to the last. The Burnley we all know and love are back. So, OK, Robbie, let's come to you first. Just how important is management and leadership of the well I guess the management and leadership style that Sean Dutch Dutch imposes on this side you know we've seen some really modern business skills that he brings to to the the current football and we saw a lot of it in the podcast he did with Joey Barton he just talks on a different level to some of the managers that we see from other sides that's got to have a huge influence hasn't it yeah it's not the first time I don't think players have actually come out about his chats a a bit similar to what coming out at the weekend I think couple of years ago in the championship uh, in the title winning season I think it was just before the Boxing Day game with Hull I think that's where our fortunes changed and players mentioned like a clear the air like meeting that Deitch and the players had I imagine it was something similar like that because Deitch made reference I think he made reference to it in his press conference about lifting the fog as he called it uh, this year just because he said there was like a weirdness in terms of like a pre-season and players not being quite at it yeah I think it's not the first time he's done it, so hopefully, like if it works, and hopefully we have got like the Burnley back, which we all love, and um, hopefully it will uh, put us in good stead for the rest of the season. Yeah, I certainly hope so. It would be really disappointing, wouldn't it, if we managed to get everything clicking and, and get a performance like that, and then all of a sudden we then start falling back off the wagon again. Dave, we had um, and Johnny Bentley, um, who we heard from earlier, did a really great thread about his thoughts of from the game, and he he made a couple of really important tweets that I wanted to discuss with you. He said, "How different are Burnley when they're ahead?" 
When they have something to contain, the players start to play with more conviction. They know they can be resolute and they know that the opponent will have to gamble more with their own style. At the same time, if Burnley go behind, it is likely that they will stay there. This team isn't necessarily set up to chase a game. It's set up to have a go, get a lead and be well structured. You often have to change your play if you fall behind and Burnley can't really do that well. Now, Dave, we saw that again on Saturday, didn't we? As soon as Burnley took the lead, regardless of how quickly the second goal came, you just had that feeling, didn't you, that they were not going to let go of this this result. They were going to defend for their lives. Yeah, I think that's a fair point to a point. I mean, it's you know, for any team, going ahead in a game is is uh, a big thing, um, and going behind can be a, a big hurdle to get over. I think one thing that changed last season was there were a couple of games, weren't there, where we actually did come back from behind and you know get get points or get wins, whereas we'd struggled to do that in previous seasons. That probably added to our overall total. And that's the thing you're going to have to do. The you know the the the, the bigger sides, the better sides, the the ones right at the top. The ones that are able to do that, you know, more times. They can't do it every time. They do it more times over the course of the season. So, I mean, I, I guess if you're aspiring to be a, a top ten side in the Premier League, you're going to have to uh, be able to do that on a reasonable number of occasions across the course of the season. Yeah, you're right. And I think that's a really important point to note. Um, I did think that when I saw that that t- tweet thread in that actually, oh, I think I was quite vocal about that last season and, and I wanted a reaction from this side and I wanted them to be able to come back and, and actually get something out of the game when they'd fallen behind. And, and Dave, you're absolutely right. We, we saw that last season. But, you know, Dyche does does tell us that this isn't the finished product and that we are still a team progressing and that we're still a team developing. And often it's you can get carried away as fans, can't you? When you see a team doing something really well, you want that perfection. You want to see it week after week and you want to see them be able to replicate a really good performance. We're all going to be expecting the performance another 4-0 away at Cardiff on Saturday. I'm quite sure of it. It did make me laugh, actually. Andy Grice sent a, a tweet in where he just said, imagine not playing hoofball for 90 minutes and winning 4-0. So I think there was a little nod there to it, to a few change of tactics from Sean Dyche as well. So that that was, I guess, the second of, of the major themes coming out of the analysis at the weekend. The third one is very much down to possession. Now, modern Premier League football can kind of irritate me a little bit. And I think I'm going to be very careful here because obviously we've got resident statistician on the show. We need to like make sure we don't massively offend him. But I think sometimes in this league, stats and analysis and opta indexes can detract away from actually what happens on the pitch. And I see... So many articles written by people who've not actually watched the game. They've simply looked at the expected goals. and oh, I hate expected goals. It winds me up so much. Or they've looked at a heat map or they've looked at a passing map and they've, they've drawn conclusions from that. At least with our Dave, he watches the games as well. So, you know, we, we get one up on these guys. But, you know, Eddie Howe mentioned it again after the game and said that the scoreline was very harsh on them and, and perhaps maybe flattered us. It wasn't necessarily a 4-0 performance. They'd just thrown everything they could at the end to try and get an equaliser and left themselves quite exposed. And a lot of the national media this week, Robbie, um, picked up on that possession and, and basically said that you know Bournemouth can be scratching their heads a little bit because they don't really know how they lost that one, especially by such a thumping scoreline. But that's the Burnley we know and love, isn't it, Robbie? You know, we we do play better when we don't have the ball. Yeah, I always argue that Burnley are a better side without the ball. Um, you know, the the whole possession stuff is a lot of nonsense. Like us Burnley fans will always mention the two 0 win against Liverpool uh, a couple of years ago, and like you can talk about uh, Bournemouth's possession at the weekend as much as you like, but. A lot of it were just passing it sideways across our box anyway without really opening us up too much. I can't really think of many saves Joe Hart actually had to make. So I think Eddie Howe said in his press conference that they peppered our goal, which I don't think is true. Like the only meaningful Joe Hart save I can actually think of is the Brooks save just in just yeah. after the second half. And That's the one, isn't up, it? Yeah, other, other than that, I think they were all pretty simple saves, which you you would pretty much expect him to make. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not entirely sure that, that Bournemouth created as much as they like to believe they did. Um, I think Eddie Howe can be, oh, regular listeners will know I'm not a huge fan of Eddie Howe, uh, but I think he's he's got um, a lot better at the PR the more longer serving he's been. I think he's quite good at, at uh, deflecting the press away from his terrible, terrible defences that they have. I don't, I don't actually know, Dave... 
I think most of us realise that Eddie Howe's sides just can't defend. But are you surprised that maybe that's not brought up in the press more than it is? He seems to get away with it, doesn't he? Yeah, maybe to some extent. I mean, they, they do score a lot of goals to Bournemouth. And obviously, to get into the position they've been in and uh, stay in the top division as long as they have. I mean, it's um, they are a small club from the point of view of their uh, capacity of their ground, but the, you know, there's a fair amount of financial backing behind them in addition to the Premier League money that comes in. But, yeah, I think it's one of those where if you perhaps if you're playing uh, a more entertaining brand of football and you're more likely to lose, I don't know, lose 3-2 than lose 1-0, yeah. perhaps there's a bit more forgiveness that comes in for that as well. That's true, and I think... I guess we've talked about this before on the podcast. Football is, for me, an entertainment sport, and it always has been an entertainment sport. And I would would rather watch Burnley win 3-2 in a great game with loads of goals and loads of drama than watch them grind out a a 1-0 result. Now, the the 1-0 grinds at the moment um, have to be done. I know that sounds strange, given we've just beaten a side 4-0, but... You know the traditional Burnley side has to grind out a very fine margin result, doesn't it? And because that's just because that's where we are in the market, that's where we are in our development, and that's absolutely fine. But Bournemouth fans have very much been treated to some fantastically entertaining games in, in the time they've been in the Premier League. So, you know, maybe Eddie Howe just doesn't believe that it's that big a problem. A couple of tweets on this same topic. John Wilkinson said, "Great result for Burnley, especially as Bournemouth had so much possession." So he actually sees it's quite amusing that we still managed to beat them even though they had so much of the ball. And Rich said, much more like ourselves today, with an added very welcome clinical finishing, which I still can't believe we're talking about in a Burnley side. The next topic that came up on social media was an explanation by way of change in personnel. Now, the Clarets were obviously boosted by the start of Vidra, who started his first Premier League game and immediately made a difference. But he wasn't the only unsung hero on the day. There were a couple of people also giving other players some real credit. AJC, Ginger Claret, said... Matt Lawton provided an attacking dimension that Barsley doesn't. Vidra did offer pace and movement up front. Westwood was a worker being midfield. Lennon had his mojo back. Heart and defence were solid. Everyone was on their game today. Onwards and upwards, indeed. And the view from the long side tweeted a special mention to Joe Hart. He keeps us in that game at 2-0. If Brooks scores, Dow enters our head and we don't win that game. Top quality keeper, regardless of what anyone might have to say. So I think that's obviously a nod to what you were just saying then a minute ago, Robbie. It was definitely that Brooks save that I think maybe kept us in there. So I'll come to you first, Robbie. Is there anybody, and you can't mention Lennon or Goodmundson, Name me one other player in the side who you felt played a, a key role in the win. Probably Tarkovsky, I think. Just, oh, nice. Yeah, I, I was going to go Westwood. I think everybody would go with Westwood. He seems to be everyone's uh, favourite player at the moment. I think the back four have been in for a bit of criticism uh, since for the start, since start of the season, and rightly so. But I think Tarkovsky and Ben Mee were both... We mentioned it last week, they were both almost back to the, like how we see them every week but I thought Tarkovsky were very composed there weren't as many like Hollywood passes like he keeps trying uh, it, it seemed a lot more like back to basics kind of defending and just hoofing it out of the stands yeah it was quite interesting actually I got a little bit annoyed watching the England game when Tarkovsky played in the last round of international friendlies I think the the commentator was really condescending and just kept talking to Tarkovsky and saying like, oh, he's just a good old-fashioned hoofer. And it really annoyed me because I just thought he is so much more than that. He's just really ignorant commentating. But it is nice to see that Tarkovsky does have that pass in him when it's needed. Um, Dave, what about you? Was there anybody outside of Len Goodmanson that you thought had a particularly strong game? Um, I mean, I've mentioned Westwood already. I thought he had a a really good game. I thought it was pivotal in central midfield. But I think Perhaps it's almost uh, the multiple, you know, combination of extra bits in all parts of the field. You know, the fact that we had Vidra in there seemed to be a little bit different. You know, playing that uh, that role uh, just behind Sam Vokes, that seemed to work really well. And it just seemed to gel together. So I think it's, you know, as I said before, it's a little bit unfair to, to single one player out. But perhaps that's, um, you know, what you expect with Sean Dyche's sides. You know, the, it's more the sum of the parts rather than uh, any one person. Yeah, that's true. Um, it's quite interesting that neither of you singled out Joe Hart. Um, I think a lot of people are really starting to warm to him and believe that he is absolutely earning his number one jersey and in his place in the side. Robbie, are you 
screaming for Tom Heaton to come back in, or would you leave it with Hart at the moment? No, I'd leave it with Hart. I think he's uh, more than justified his position in the starting lineup so far. I must admit, I had I had a few doubts, but I think the Wolves game alone, back being solid again at the weekend, I'd, yeah, he's he's earned it. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. What about you, Dave? Do you go Heaton or do you leave Hart in there? Um, I think Tom Heaton will play on uh, on Tuesday night, but certainly for the Premier League games, I think. Yes, uh, I agree. Yeah, Joe Hart's done more than enough his place for the time being. Yeah. Yeah, I think I, I think I agree with that. I, I really feel for Heaton, actually. That poor guy must have luck. And then he's got to try and... I think he was probably hoping he would fight his way back into the side and give Dyche a decision on Pope. But at the moment, it, you know, if when Pope comes back, Heaton might find himself as third choice, which is, you know, you cash your mind backs exactly 12 months ago, four games into the season, when, you know, Heaton does his, his shoulder at, at the... Was it, who was, it, was it Palace game? I can't remember which game it was. Yeah. Whichever one it was. Yeah, it was Palace, wasn't it? Yeah. You know, did you, did any of us really foresee that 12 months down the line we'd be relegating Tom Eaton to third-choice keeper? It's unbelievable. I think maybe not an explanation as to what was going on, but certainly one of the key differences on Saturday was the absolute goal fest. As we mentioned at the outset of this week's show, Burnley racking up their best ever scoreline in, in the Premier League, 4-0 to, to win by four goals. I think we've not we've not bettered that. We've done a four one, haven't we, Dave? But we've never done uh, a four. That's right. Yeah, we uh, uh, by four we clear goals. With 4-1. Yeah, uh, Sunderland. And did as well, we yes. be yeah. Sunderland? Yeah, I was going to say it was Sunderland, wasn't game, it? Yeah, and I, um, I did. And, yeah, I was like, this is this is what happens. It is. You see, listeners, you should literally just have Dave on Twitter speed dial if you ever need to know anything. He's well, in the, the thing, the thing is, Natalie, I've put um, all my reports up now, so I don't. You, you can actually go on there and look for yourself. Oh, that's true. That was really lazy, actually. Do you know what, listeners? Live on this week's podcast recording, I've completely busted myself. But I just remember that. Dave does his absolutely fantastic stats for me each week so I can have a look at things, and I blatantly didn't read it on Saturday and just tweeted him instead and went, Dave, what's this? So I'm sorry, Dave. I'll, I'll make sure next week I'm better. So I think it comes as, as very little surprise that, that the majority of tweets coming through, direct, certainly after the game, were they're just the excitement of the absolute goal fest. Uh, Matty Booth tweeted, you wait ages for a goal and then four come at once. It felt, certainly felt like there, there were buses there. Uh, we actually ran a poll just after the game, which basically said, oh, 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 to be in a position to even ask this question. And we asked all of the listeners what our favourite goal was today. And we actually had to put extra lines in, in the in the Twitter poll. We had four in there. So actually, with quite a big victory, um, 60% of you voted Barnes' second goal. The Barnes get in goal as your favourite now obviously there was some really clinical finishing and there were some great goals and um, before we start to look into them and, and the reasons why we scored four goals in more depth Robbie which was your favourite out of the four yeah the fourth one um, yeah. I sit in the upper like Jimmy Max stand so I'm like right in front of it where Barnes like makes contact you see it like bend into the side net and it's uh, it was quite the sight to be honest yeah, it was. There's not, very few things in in life beat a Barnes netbuster of a goal. Dave, do you share that one, or do you did you like one of the other three? It's like choosing between my children here. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, I don't need to do that. I don't want to no, be under I, that I, much I, pressure. I'm, I'm going for Aaron Lennon's both the goal, but also the uh, the timing of it as well. That second goal just for half time. That's uh, that's my choice. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I'm I'm going to side with Robbie. Um, even though he is called Aaron Lengols, so that would mean I maybe should have sided with Dave. But I, I, no, I agree with with Robbie Barnes's fourth, second goal, the fourth goal. I think, I think certainly got my favourite. So what, what do we think, team? I mean, Burnley just don't score four goals in a game. We've not even been creating chances over the past few games. Never mind score. Now we obviously we had two up front, but this time we went for a different partnership of, of Vidra and Volks up front, which to me was just perfect. We had a natural number nine and a natural number 10 there two very different players one very tall and physical one very short and, and quick and look at the difference that it made Robbie that was a great partnership wasn't it yeah I think that'll be the partnership moving forward in terms of Premier League football I expect Barnes and Wood to start tomorrow night like like we were saying before Vidra just adds that a different dimension just be able to pick the ball up and I think there were an instance in the first half where he just takes a touch with his right foot and just swivels with it and it just opened up like a lot of space for Westwood to run into. And it was, we'd never had that before. Like Jeff Hendrick isn't that type of player. Barnes and Vaux, if they start, one of them usually drops deeper. That doesn't usually happen either. He just, he just gives us like a little bit something different. His agility, yeah, a little centre of gravity. He just 
he seems like a player to get us all a little bit like excited. Yeah, it really does. How did you find the partnership? I guess not just the partnership, Dave. How did you find Vidra's performance overall? I thought it was a great debut, myself. Um, yeah, they played really well. I thought it just gave us a, a different option. He looked sort of uh, a lot busier. And I think just that bit more of attacking intent. I mean, he's obviously scored a lot of goals in the Championship. He has scored in the Premier League before, but it's going back quite a while. He scored for, for West Brom, wasn't it? Almost, well, just over four years ago when he got his last goal. It's quite, quite amusing, actually, that he, uh, he he tweeted out, I think it might have been the following day, really pleased to score my first goal for Burnley, having uh, forgotten that he'd actually scored in the, um, in the Europa League. So I think he actually... To be fair, I, I kind of forgive some of the players from maybe deleting uh, these early first part of 10 games out of their memory. Yeah, no, I, it, was, it was a great performance. It was just nice to see them having some attacking thread. Dave, some of the press reports that I read, actually, it's, it's quite interesting, speaking of you two do this, it's been a week where it's been quite easy to get material for the podcast because there's been no media blackout. I've essentially wanted to read everything, watch everything, watch the game all over again. And sometimes the past few weeks has been a bit of a media blackout. But Dave, a lot of the reports were saying that Vidra didn't really put in a perfect performance, but he was good enough. Yeah, it's a bit harsh, um, don't you? Yeah, I think he did what was asked for him. And I think, it, it, well, as we said already, it's sort of a different dimension to our play that we'd had in, in previous games. So I, I'm not sure what else you can uh, you can ask from him, really. No, I agree. Um, Robbie, one final point from you on the goals. It, as much as as much as we like the, the four goals, obviously it was important for Lennon and Vidra to get their goals. Just how much love do we have for Ashley Barnes? Two more goals for him, our top scorer last season. I just... I love him. Yeah, he's just he's. Um, I don't know how to describe him. Just the fact that he comes on with twenty minutes to go, he just like makes an impact like immediately. I think actually Barnes will probably go down as probably one of Dutch's best signings for us in a few years' time as well. Definitely. Well, I was thinking this the other day when when we were getting all of the the plaudits coming in for JBG. I was thinking, you know, like he's an absolute steal for what we paid for him. But Barnes as well. You look at how he's performed since we got to Premier League. And actually, when he that season we got him when he came in as cover for a badly injured Vings Vings <laughs> Ings and Books. Um, I went into known and never slangman. That's that brought back a few few memories. And we we kind of had a few doubts as to whether or not he was good enough for the top level of the championship but my god has he turned that around I think that's probably all we have on the goal fest I think the final um I guess what can I call it I'm not really sure how to call this one but there is one factor that some people have highlighted that contributed to our turnaround and that was the impact of Sky Sports News during their live footage on Saturday Darius Vassell actually did it he called us Burnsley. It's back. My God, Dave, why in the world can national media outlets not stop getting us confused with Barnsley? Well, how is this still happening? We're an established Premier League Well, you, you've explained things to, to me now because I've seen the uh, the title of the podcast and uh, that, 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 I wasn't aware of that. On the stuff that went on after the game. But yeah, it's, it's uh, you'd think they'd know by now, wouldn't you? Yeah, you really did. It's just ridiculous. So I think that's probably all we have time for. We could literally put out a two-hour podcast tonight, listeners, to just keep talking about that fantastic result. And it's just amazing how that just puts you in in a better mood. And and there was so much love on Twitter after the game. Jack Tomlinson summed it up nicely. He said, I love you all. And it's like, yes, everybody loves everybody else. And uh, Steve Goodall did point out, oh, Twitter's such a nicer place after a good Clarets performance. It's just, it just has lifted us all. It's put us all in a good mood. And it's, I think it's got all of us feeling confident that our season's back on track. We've not got a fundamental fault with some software updating this Burnley side and that we'll just be absolutely fine. Even the, the media and the pundits on Match of the Day and on Sky Sports, that everybody just felt that they didn't really want to be commentating on the poor Burnley side or not wanting us to be in a relegation fight. And there wasn't even any question mark by commentators saying, oh, well, you know, it's just one result. You know, there are, everyone's just like, yeah, they're fine. Now they're back. Everything's fine. They'll, they'll do really well this season. So let's move on and have a look at some other news that's coming out of the club this week. And of course, we are playing tomorrow night. The the Clarets, well, tomorrow night, I say we're recording this on Monday, Tuesday night. Burnley play their 
League Cup tie away at Burton. Now we got our we got ourselves in a right twist last week. I think we produced the whole podcast. Then we thought we'd missed the talk about the game because we'd forgotten that we were actually playing the Carling Cup. Then it wasn't the cup, it was this week. And we had Dave's head-to-head stats on Burton last week. So we've we've got ourselves all over the place. But this week is definitely a preview of the Burton game. As this podcast goes out live, we should be playing the game. Obviously, this is the first round that we've entered the competition due to our Europa League commitments. Robbie, how are you feeling about the League Cup generally? What, in terms of what, Burnley doing well in it? or just Yeah, yeah. Good? What do you want? Do, do you want out of it straight away? Do you want a cup run? Are you, would you rather have the FA Cup? How do you just feel about it generally? I'll, I'll, I'll encourage any kind of cup run, but tomorrow I expect us to go out tomorrow night. <laughs> That's how confident I am. Oh, Robbie. <laughs> even after the weekend? Yeah, it's even after the weekend. Did we draw with Chelsea on like the Sunday and then got knocked out against Lincoln in the FA Cup like six days later that's the kind of stuff I'm expecting um, but, it wasn't I know it was Lincoln wasn't it yeah but I'm excited was it Lincoln yeah no Lincoln was the FA Cup wasn't it that was really late on yeah possibly yeah but uh, I'm just excited to see um, Stephen DeFore wearing claret and blue again that's the only reason why I'm going tomorrow to see Stephen DeFore again well that's what I was going to come on to next Dave the incredibly exciting news coming out in the press today that Stephen DeFore will play some first team action in the League Cup tomorrow night how unbelievably exciting that'd be great yeah I mean obviously not necessarily going to start but there's an indication he'll play some part in the game but uh, yeah I mean uh, Burnley fans want to see his like and uh, hopefully Robbie Brady had uh, uh, did he play all 90 minutes today? I know he, was, he played for the under-23s, didn't he? Big, 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 big. He did, yes. That was going to be the next point I was going to come on to. I mean, he's he's a way off yet, isn't he? I mean, Brady's still, I guess, probably, I'd say, three weeks, maybe? Two, three weeks? I don't know. I'm not a physio. I don't really know these things. I'm, in fact, listeners, I think I've just blatantly made that up. I'm going to say, with some air of authority, that Robert Brady's about three weeks off. But um, Do you think that the League Cup is a good enough competition to bring DeFore back in, Dave? Or would you prefer him in the league? No, I think if if, if the timing's right from the uh, the, the match programme and his you know, re- rehabilitation, then uh, then why not? He, he scored a fantastic goal, you may remember, against Bristol City, wasn't it, in the uh, FA Cup at Turf or that little uh, lob from the edge oh, of the box. Yeah. So uh, he's got a pedigree in, in cup competitions for Burnley. I'm just so excited. I'm literally, I can't wait for him to come back. Dave, how do you feel about the League Cup? Do you want us to do well? Well, I guess obviously Robbie wants us to do well, but thinks we're going to just go out tomorrow night. What do you think? What do you think we'll do, and what do you want us to do? I think we've got a decent chance of going through. I mean, it, it's great to you know getting at this late stage. There's only 32 teams left in the competition. There's no extra time in the League Cup this year, so effectively Burnley are 270 minutes away from a semi-final. That's the way I look at it. So wow, three, three... <laughs> that's some great maths. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean the, the the semi-finals are two legs, aren't they? So uh, we we you've got. To... You've got to quite oh, yeah, the final, true. but 270 minutes away from a semi-final. So that's the way, way Burnley have got to look at it. I mean, they won't be doing it. It's a game at a time, isn't it? That's the uh, the mantra. But I think that... You sound like that. Yeah, I, I, think, I think there's a decent chance of Burnley getting a result at, uh, at Burton and going through. And then, who knows, in the last 16. Exactly. You see, Dave, you asked us at the beginning of the, of the show tonight what you'd done to deserve being on a full episode this week. And it's just little nuggets like that. Just off the cuff, we're talking about the, the game at Burton. You say, we're 20. 270 minutes away from a trophy. You know, I can't say things like that. I don't even know who we're playing this week. <laughs> I'm not used to organised. Obviously, listeners, that's a joke. But um, but no, it, it, it's, it's exciting. I mean, I, I share Robbie's view for half of it in that I want us to win everything we go into. I wanted us to win the Europa League. I know I was in a minority of fans that, that didn't want us to get out of that cup. I thought it was a great opportunity. Actually, I do find, we have a little interlude here. Robbie and I shared a couple of texts on Saturday. We've been... Um, not critical, that sounds mean, but I think both Robbie and I were wanting us to do as well as we could in the Europa League. And we'd been a bit tongue-in-cheek laughing at the potential for Burnley fans to be saying, certain Burnley fans were saying, we need to get out of this competition as soon as possible, we need to get our season back on track, and then start singing, we're all going on a European tour towards the end of the season. And, and Robbie and I did share a couple of texts, didn't we, on the weekend, which made me laugh quite a lot, um, about Burnley suddenly starting to see cup competitions. Because you never know. We, you know, we could win the League Cup and end up back in Europe again. That would be ironic, wouldn't it? I think I... So, yeah, sorry, I, I got sidetracked there with, with texts with Robbie. I, so, I, yeah, I share a view. I want us to, to win. I want Brit, uh, 
Defoe to play fantastically well. I want us to score 100 goals and I want us to be favourites for the Cup. But once we've played Burton, we do have the small matter of the next Premier League game, which comes next Saturday away at Cardiff. And our friend Warnick. Oh, God. Dave, I really don't want to have to play him again. I really dislike the guy, but unfortunately we have to. So, Robbie, you can go and get yourself a little brew for a while because we can now talk to Dave live for his stats section and give us some head-to-head on Cardiff away. What can we expect, Dave? Yeah, I mean, I've uh, prepared a little bit on this in terms of the previous games. Cardiff isn't our best place to visit. Uh, We've played 42 times away from home at Cardiff. And we only have seven wins, which is, you know, there's not many teams that are worse than that, actually. God, they're not great stats. No, not really. We obviously played at Ninian Park till uh, 2009 and then uh, City of Cardiff Stadium after that. Those seven wins, in terms of the details, we beat them in December 1925. Uh, then again in December 1954, they were both in the first division. In, into more recent times that some some listeners may remember, um, 1960, we beat them 4-0 in the League Cup second round. Gordon Harris scored a hat-trick and John Canary scored the other goal. That'd have been nice to do that again. How very appropriate, given what we what we've scored <laughs> on Saturday. <laughs> I saw that I saw that Saturday and I just thought, well, that would be nice again on Saturday well, to have I, another 4-0. I, I, I need to look back and see the last time we won two games 4-0. I, what I'll do, actually, I'll wait until it happens to look that one up because it's not not really worth doing. Yeah, I like Yeah, yeah. don't be jinxing us, Dave, no, for goodness sake. Um, in terms of other wins, we had a couple in the 1970s, both in the second division and both by uh, a one-goal margin, one-goal one to nil margin. Frank Casper scored for us in 1973 and Peter Noble in 1977. Um, the match in 1992 was quite unusual. That was in the fourth division. Burnley were, were going for the title. They won, uh, well, they won 2-0 that day with goals from Adrian Randall and Mike Conroy. That was actually played on 29th of February on the... Uh, on the leap day, so when you go back through the uh, the on this day stats, there aren't that many matches played on the. Uh, oh, the interesting. And then the most recent win is actually first of April, April Fool's Day, two thousand. Uh, Steve Davis and Andy Payton scored our goals that day. We won two one again. Another promotion season, so we're not going to get promoted this season. But uh, previous wins, quite a few of them have, have coincided with uh, with Burnley promotion seasons. Other games to note as well. There was a heavy four nil defeat in twenty twelve. Uh, that was Terry Pashley's last game in caretaker charge. You may remember that was the one where Sean Dyche was actually at the game in the stand oh, uh, watching yes. the four nil defeat before he took over the middle of the following week. That was at the weekend and he took over on the Tuesday, Wednesday, whatever day, about three or four days later. And then more recently, the the, the last game we played there was uh, quite a controversial 2-2 draw. One, I was actually down there for that one, was doing... Uh, I was at that very game as well, I, I, I remember doing, it well. Uh, there's a video of me somewhere doing um, uh, on, the, on the comms cam for that because... Um, uh, in the first half, we had a shot. I can't remember who took the shot. It might have been George Boyd, actually. And the, no. the, the ball was headed towards goal. And I don't believe it. Stuck a hand up, tipped it over, and the referee never even saw it. So, you know, we we, we, we I do remember goals. that. I it's remember a, it well. Cast iron penalty, red card. We're going to be all right yeah. here. And then I, I think it may have still been nil-nil at that point. Um, that didn't happen. Cardiff went two up. Um, and then, you know, five minutes to go, Burnley still 2-0 down. Uh, Reuben Hennings scored a scramble goal with five minutes left. It's only one. Ah, Reuben Hennings. Well, we remember scored... him well. He didn't really yeah, have much of an impact, did he? For us. I, I did see them both. They're both away from home. One was at um, that one. The other one was yeah. at um, Middlesbrough in the FA Cup. Borough. Yes, in the in the FA Cup, the season where that was a that was the title winning season, wasn't it? Where we literally got to we went down, was it four one away at Hull on Boxing Day, and we were outside of the playoffs and wondering whether we were even going to finish in the top six, and then we went twenty three undefeated and won the title. Yeah, and then at the the end of that game, we 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 did get an own well, Cardiff scored an own goal, so it made it two two in injury time, um, sort of some sort of justice going back and getting a point after. uh, the controversial handball in the uh, in the first half. It threw it down. If I remember rightly, that it day away awful, in Cardiff, yeah. I took my dad down and it was awful, wasn't yeah. it? I remember that. Proper championship football, throwing it down. <laughs> oh, I do miss it sometimes. So, well, I think obviously that they're fantastic head, head-to-head stats, Dave, but I guess taking your statistician head off, what do you feel in your gut? How do you think we'll play on Saturday? Do you think we'll get a, get a result there? 
Cardiff haven't played well, have they? Um, no, it'd be, it'd be a tough one, but um, I mean, you saw how I mean Manchester City tore them apart, didn't they, on uh, on Saturday? So they'll be looking to sort of bounce back from from that. Maybe they'll be a little bit more cagey. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, maybe they're, they're not the same. I mean, you know, Wolves look like they've got the players and they've got the system yeah. to where to get some results. Whereas Cardiff, from what you've seen so far, you think are probably going to struggle. So when when you look, I mean. Probably shouldn't look more games ahead, but you look at the next two games. You look at Cardiff uh, away and Huddersfield at home. We're thinking they are games we need to get some points. Yeah, I agree. And, and build on the uh, on the Bournemouth result. Yeah, that's true. Although after last season's performances, and and obviously now we're back on track, I, I don't necessarily look as much at the games that we should be getting points from because I just think on our day we can apart from maybe City we can beat more sides or at least get results there let's bring you back in Robbie I mean obviously we've heard the stats and and we've seen how Cardiff have played so far and it does look in these early stages that Huddersfield and Cardiff are pretty much shoehorned for those two of those relegation slots but how how do you feel we'll play next Saturday do you feel confident we'll get something I think we'll probably grind out like a nil-nil draw I don't expect us to win the game it's probably a terrible time to play them like people will mention that oh they'll be low on confidence after a 5-0 drubbing of Man City but I think Cardiff fans will expect a reaction yeah that's imagine true. they'll come out all guns blazing atmosphere up try and get the fans on side almost immediately so I think we'll have to grind it out and I'll take a 0-0 like right now yeah, I think I will as well. Um, what about formation wise, Robbie? What what kind of do you think it goes with the same team, or do you think he needs to mix it up a bit away from home? No, I think yeah, it's got to be the same eleven again. Yeah, I agree. Figure in that hole, it'd be stupid to change it. Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. Um, Dave, would you swap the team around, or do you go with that one as well? Um, I'm tempted to keep it as it is. Yeah, I mean, obviously there'll be changes in uh, in midweek for the cup, but I think yeah, that's um, Vidra coming back in particularly that's um, just gives us a different option than we've had previously. Not to say you know we've got options to mix it around. You've got likes of you know, Barnes coming on as well. I mean, it's it's harsh on Barnes, isn't it? Saying you know he scored two yeah. goals in his uh, in his time, and then he's going to be stuck back on the bench again potentially. Yeah, that's true. Well, I mean, listeners, we can't just leave the team to it. We can't just put all the pressure on Dyche and his staff and the players to go away to Cardiff next week and get a result. We do need your effort as well. And I think one of the final reviews of, of social media this week is, is a very uh, hilarious um, threads that started coming out about how people have changed their superstition. And Dave, our very own Dave, sent some tweets on there to try and find out what people have done differently. And there's all sorts of new pre-match superstitions that have emerged from this. Mike Landers, who regular listeners will know, has been on the show a couple of times. He said that having seen all of the home games so far, I end up not being at this one due to being on holiday. So if any Twitter clarets wish me to continue listening to matches while sipping beers by the pool, I'm willing to take donations via just giving. Yeah, that's a nice try, Mark. I'm not I'm not really sure anybody's going to play for that. Um, Karen Fazakli, again, uh, regular listeners will know Karen. She's been on the show. She did our ladies special for International Women's Day. She said that she didn't go to Turf more Chipper. Now, that was a regular theme. Apparently, there was some real drama and the Turf more Chipper was shut. It, it, what? So, you know, I don't know whether that's influenced the game at all, but I'm going to be pretty devastated if, if we have to t- close Turf more Chippy permanently just so we can stay in the Premier League. I might even take relegation, I'm not going to lie. CJB, she said that she went through a different turnstile. So I'm sorry, you're going to have to go through the same turnstile now for the rest of the season. And Michael Crane, this one really did make me laugh. I think, I'm not sure how many people will have seen this, but Michael Crane said, I deliberately didn't like Tom Claret's pre-match tweet now if you are sensitive to bad language then please don't look for this but Tom Claret who you'll know did our postcard from did he do postcard from Aberdeen or postcard from Istanbul I think at the start of the season he has a regular post pre-match routine where he what's it he he says a few things that maybe not for sensitive ears and they're very very amusing i look forward to them and this time michael didn't like it so maybe he's uh he's taken lumpens for that dave obviously you were quite what's the word i'm looking for uh, instrumentally in getting those superstitions going on saturday they were very amusing weren't they 
Yeah, I mean, I saw, I saw one as well. There's uh, Rupert Boo, Mr. Longsider, said he put his lucky socks on. I mean, I think we've, we've got him to blame that we are where we are, not in the Champions League places. Well, I was just going to say that. I did like all of these superstitions very much, but guys, what have you been doing up to now? You've let us get five Premier League games into the season, 10 games overall, and you've not been playing your part. So listeners, you know, I expect to hear, do tweet us when you get them right, but I expect you all to to pull your lucky socks up and and get us into the zone because next week we need another result at Cardiff and to really cement this start to the season. That, listeners, is all we have time for this week. We have thoroughly enjoyed this week's podcast because it's just so nice to be able to come on and talk about all the things that Paris did right instead of having to try and put a positive spin on when things the chips are down and things chips from turf more chippy i'm coming out with all the puns today you know things aren't particularly going very well it's always difficult to try and record podcasts and i've got to say we are really grateful to the listeners who've tuned in over the last few weeks and and, and really stuck with us in, in times where we all want a media blackout and maybe don't want to go over them again so thanks this week as ever go to producer matt who is editing this podcast and we're also going to send some special thanks this week to um james and Mike and John from the band Joyce who have been providing us with the new music that you've been hearing on the podcast in the link so thanks to you guys for that Dave and Robbie for joining me this week's panel and analysing the game thank you to you both and you know we will obviously see you both next week and then thanks finally go to you the listeners for downloading and listening to this week's podcast your support is very much appreciated and we simply would not be here without you I've been Natalie Bromley this has been the Known and Never podcast until next time Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.